as boys lines. As bold as lions. As bold as lions. As bold as lions. You're listening to the As Bold as Lions podcast. Hello and welcome to the As Bold as Lions podcast. I'm your host, Derek Charles Johnson, and I am so glad that you can join me today. I just wanted to mention that these podcasts are an extension of an online ministry that I have. I am a worship leader, singer, songwriter, blogger, and over on my website at DerekCharlesJohnson.com, you can learn a little bit more about me and the ministry that I have. And if you go there, you can click on the As Bold as Lions tab where you can be linked to blogs that I've written. And you can also listen to older episodes from this podcast. I believe we're in episode number seven now. So you can go back and catch up on anything that you've missed. You can also sign up to be on my mailing list where you'll receive my weekly blog plus two devotionals to your email inbox. And I would just love to have you check that out if you're interested. My desire is that everything that I do brings glory to the Lord through this ministry and that you as a listener and as a reader are encouraged, inspired, and equipped in your walk with the Lord. So we are currently in a podcast series titled Encounters, and we're talking about when people came face to face with Jesus in the Bible, and they always went away changed by the interaction that they had with him. Today's encounter just shows us that when people met Jesus, there were ripple effects from that interaction. Not only is the person who Jesus touched forever changed, there are other lives surrounding that individual that are affected as well. And some respond in agreement and are overwhelmingly responsive to the work Jesus has done, and others look on with disbelief and disdain for what has happened. And still others just kind of try to avoid the encounter altogether, and by their avoidance, they indirectly speak their lack of support. There's a rather lengthy encounter in John 9, which details a blind man, born blind by birth, who gets healed by Jesus and the subsequent ripple effects attributed to his healing. And in this chapter, we see this blind man who, once he's healed, is questioned by the Pharisees. And there's obvious disapproval by the Pharisees. They question not only the man, but they bring his parents in to get to the bottom of who this Jesus is. And it's a story that really says as much about the miracle as it does about those who are affected by it. So this is a rather lengthy account today. It's it's 41 verses, and it's all of chapter 9 of, of John. And I, I wanted to kind of cut this up and, and not read the whole thing, but I really think in order to do justice to what we're talking about, it, it requires reading the whole chapter. So I'm going to read all 41 verses just to give us some context and then springboard into today's discussion. So buckle up. If you have your Bible, you're invited to follow along with me. If, um, if you want to read uh, right with me, I'm out of the English Standard Version. Um, but you can feel free to listen as well, especially if you're driving. Just feel free to listen and uh, 
And um, you're probably familiar with this chapter. Let's dive in. As he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes open? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered him, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, for, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, 
And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. So this encounter stirs a lot of questions, and from the beginning to the end, it is clear some go from unbelief to belief. The blind man is one such character who makes this transition. So what do we know about this man? First, he's a blind beggar. Most likely, he spent his time near walkways and pathways. He's just trying to make money. He's trying to get money to stay alive and and eat and just the basic necessities for living. Secondly, he has parents who are still alive. We don't know if he lives with his parents or if he is alone, but they are witnesses to the fact that his sight has been restored. Third, he is blind from birth. His parents claim he is of age and he's able to answer the questions that the Pharisees have. He's able to answer those for himself. He's an adult and whether that's into the late teens or 20s, um, but he's obviously been blind for many years. Fourth, uh, some recognize that after the miracle, this man, they recognize that this was the man who was the blind beggar. Others say, no, it's not him. Clearly, there's some sort of change to his appearance or something that just makes him seem different uh, and makes it stand out for some reason. And finally, Jesus puts this mixture of mud and spit on his eyes, and then he tells him to wash in this pool, the pool of Siloam. And this was a rock-cut pool on a slope in Jerusalem. Did a little uh, history here for you. Um, It was constructed during the reign of King Hezekiah. And there's some pretty cool archaeological findings that you can research about this location. It is a a place that they've actually found, and they've determined it to, in fact, be a pool that was used during ancient times. So something to go check out on your own. Um, I I love digging into that stuff. Um, But all this context being laid, we can see that this encounter is unique. And again, it is life transforming for this man. We know Jesus has the power to heal and to restore sight physically. And in many ways, this healing is a metaphor for spiritual sight restoration, the the thing that must take place for all who follow after Christ, that we our, our spiritual eyes are opened to see him. Jesus proclaims he is the light of the world. So with all that context being laid, let's dig into a a few key points here. First point I have is that this blind man is healed so that the work of God may be displayed. Jesus puts to bed the idea that the man was blind because of some sin he committed or something of his parents that was that they did was wrong. The prevailing notion at this time that if you were sick or you had some sort of calamity upon your life, that that was brought in and caused by some kind of sin that you committed. And if you read the book of Job, much of what hits Job and, and uh, just causes him to be in utter ruin is is attributed by his friends to some sort of unconfessed sin. They're they're talking about Job the whole time saying there's something that you did that brought this upon yourself. So the disciples apparently 
passing by this blind man, they wanted an answer from Jesus as to why he was suffering. And Jesus surprises him because he says it, it's nothing to do with sin at all. It's, it's not him. It's not his parents. It is so the work of God might be displayed through him. And we, when we think of our own condition, do we ever consider that um, whatever we may be suffering from or um, just dealing with in our own lives, it, it might be there because it's, it's used for the glory of God? Consider how Paul addressed this uh, thorn in his flesh. It talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, 9. He says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And affliction is not always the result of our sin. Sometimes it is given for the purpose of proclaiming Christ. So are we able to see the condition our lives are in, that uh, it can be used for God's glory, even when it may not seem ideal to us. Secondly, a miracle is a time for some to believe, but for others to doubt. Virtually the whole rest of this chapter is this blow-by-blow account of those trying to dispel or discount the work that Jesus has done. There are several doubters to what has happened, and most of it is because people do not want to acknowledge who Jesus is. The Pharisees recognize that it is a Sabbath, so Jesus could not be from God because he's healed on the Sabbath. He's done some sort of work and committed some sort of act that um, you shouldn't do because you should just rest on the Sabbath. And the man's parents are questioned by the Jews about the miracle. They say, is this your son? Wasn't he blind? How now does he see? They play dumb and, and say, ask our son. He's he's of age. And I am just uh, want to pause here and just point out the fact that his own parents, this blind man's own parents, threw him under the bus. They're like, we're not going to get involved with this one. We're going we're gonna to step back and, and stay out of this. And uh, they may have known it was Jesus, but they were more afraid of the retribution of the Pharisees. To acknowledge Jesus as the Christ and the Messiah meant that you would be banned from the synagogue. That was something these Pharisees already put in place. So, understandably, there's a lot of fear here gripping this man's parents. And finally, they bring this healed man in once more, and in their questioning, this this man flips the script on them, and I just love this. He says, "Um, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, this Jesus, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and he does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And he just kind of throws this whole thing back in their face. And uh, of course, this upsets them. They, they don't know what to, to say. They just kind of discount and discredit this guy. And they, they just basically say, get out of here. They don't want to have anything else to do with him. So the third point is that uh, Jesus circles back and affirms who he is to this man. And I, I think this is after the whole encounter of the miracle and the back and forth with the man questioning with the Pharisees and the parents, this is the thrust of the whole reason that Jesus heals this man and, and gives him his sight. He says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And this man says, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus came back to this man because he wanted him to know who healed him. 
It wasn't a prophet. It wasn't some Moses or Elijah type of individual. It was the Son of Man. And revelation of who Jesus is always draws us into worship and further trust in him. Think about your own story. When you realized just who Jesus was and the point at which you knew you needed salvation, that was the point in which your blind eyes could see. Jesus is equating physical blindness to spiritual blindness. And once you see your need for Jesus, you can never go back. You are forever changed. And guys, that is the overall theme of this whole series, these encounters that we have with Jesus that truly leave us changed, just like the demoniac from last week, the state that this blind man was in before, and the state that he was in after could not be further apart, and both physically and spiritually. His experience would affect him for the rest of his life. It would be interesting to know just who this man was and uh, who he went to after being healed. Did he? Did it have an effect on his parents? Did he talk about it to his friends? Did even any of the Pharisees and Jews that um, came to be involved with this whole discussion, did they ever come to know Christ after all of this? What about you? You know that uh, by the end of these podcasts, every time I'm just kind of flipping it back and pointing the finger at you and at I and saying, If we've been changed by the Lord, our testimony needs to be shared. There's an application piece for all of us here. Your story is not only for yourself and for your own encouragement. It's for someone else as well. Jesus has opened your blind eyes. Someone else's eyes now need to be opened as well. And we need to tell of what he has done for us. Guys, I've uh, enjoyed unpacking these first four encounters. And really my goal is to to do a total of eight. Um, I've got four more that I want to go into. But at this point, I want to hit pause and, and take a different direction with the podcast. We will come back to this series though. And uh, I hope that this has been an encouragement for you. I tell you this every time, but I, I just wanted to say that I do love you and I love walking the journey with you. Um, if you're listening to this Believe me that um, I'm praying for you, and I want these to be an encouragement. Um, you are my my brother and sister in Christ, and uh, if there's something that I can pray for you about, I would love to connect with you, and you can email me, info at DerekCharlesJohnson.com, or you can go to my website, DerekCharlesJohnson.com. And as always, if these are some source of encouragement to you, I'd love to get uh, feedback from you. Um, if you're on websites where you can leave a review, like Apple or, or somewhere else, please please leave a review and, and leave something there so other people that stumble upon this can kind of see what this is about and uh, that others have listened. And if it is something you can share on your social media, your Facebook, your Instagram, uh, wherever you are, email, um, just let people know to say, go check out this podcast. It's, it's going to bless you. It's going to encourage you. I'm so grateful for your support. I'm so grateful for your feedback. And uh, we'll be back again um, before long with some more content. Uh, I really do appreciate you guys listening. And I want to leave you again with Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, which says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Guys, have a wonderful day. God bless.
Hey guys, this is Derek Charles Johnson. You have been listening to the As Bold as Lions podcast. I am a blogger, a songwriter, an artist. And if you've been encouraged by this podcast, please go ahead and subscribe and share and head over to DerekCharlesJohnson.com for more encouraging content. God bless.